At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. And it's a slightly different episode for you this week as I am joined by two guests uh, via WhatsApp audio uh, to talk about what the future might hold for Meghan and Harry. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and I know that there's been announcements around um, Princess Beatrice's wedding and obviously the sad news being confirmed of Peter Phillips and his wife Autumn choosing to get divorced. And then also the exciting visit of Prince Charles and Camilla and William and Kate to Leicester. But all of those things, they can wait until next week's show uh, because I think it's, you know, we've spent quite a lot of time talking about the problems and the shock and the sort of the negative side of uh, Meghan and Harry's departure from the royal family. But there is a whole positive, exciting side to it as well. So I wanted to get some different perspectives to reflect on those opportunities Um so it was great to be joined by Paul Cope, who used to be a lawyer, and now he's not. Um, he, you know, decided to change his life around, and he one of the things he now does is uh, coach other people who similarly are not happy with what they're doing and want to change their lives. So I was interested to get his thoughts on how it was for him and what it might be like for Meghan and Harry and how you can get through that, that real sort of upheaval in your life. And then I also caught up with Eva Simpson, who some of you may remember was one of our guests on the race and racism episode that we recorded late last year. Um, but Eva, I originally knew from when she was one of the 3am girls on the Daily Mirror's showbiz column when I first joined the paper. Um, so she is very familiar with the world of celebrity and how it all works. And that is one of the areas where Meghan and Harry, you know, They are likely to be moving in those kinds of circles now and following a similar kind of path, perhaps. So I was interested to get her perspective on what what that might mean for them. So I hope you'll find these two interviews interesting. Obviously, welcome your feedback as ever. Do send your comments over to us at Podsave on Twitter or Instagram, or you can drop us an email. But first up, let's hear what Paul has to say. So, welcome to Pod Save the Queen to a new friend of the show, Paul Cope. Great to have you with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, different podcast world for you today. I mean, normally you're on the on the podcast land on the Anfield Wrap talking about Liverpool FC, which I'm sure is a delight this season since you are running away with a football league. 
yeah it, well it's the it's the greatest time i'm nearly 40 now so my generation this is the best time we've ever had really but yeah we're not we're not here to talk well we might talk about uh, football a little bit in a, in a little bit later on because obviously prince william is interested in that and um and the royals more generally but the reason i wanted to speak to paul this week is we've obviously talked quite a lot about harry and Meghan and their change in plans and change in the life and i thought okay we've talked about all of the kind of the big um palaver of how it all came out but actually now they are setting out on this new adventure and let's start thinking about what that new adventure could be like and so I was looking for people who kind of do careers coaching and how to how to throw their pieces up in the air and make a radical change to your life and um, I was looking on I was looking on Amazon I'm sure other book sites are available but I was looking on Amazon and I found Paul's book The Seven Secrets to Change Your Career Escape Your Prison and Build a Dream Life and I just thought okay that sounds to me pretty much like what Harry and Meghan are trying to do at the moment so I mean Paul how did you you come to end up writing a book with that title what's your kind of background story well as with all of these things the, the background is is long-winded and, and takes a long time to tell the full version so the very short version is I basically spent my my entire life from when I was a, a, a small boy saying that I wanted to be a lawyer basically wanted to be a solicitor and spent I was one of those kids in school who always knew what they wanted to be so I was the envy of classmates and went right the way through, went to university, got a law degree, um, qualified, got a job, at, worked at some of the biggest biggest corporate law firms in the world, ended up setting up my own corporate law firm. I was that sort of in that world um, and realised at various points along the path, path actually and, and in different stages sort of turned my back on the realisation that I was I was miserable and I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. Very much felt, hence the, the, the subtitle of the book, very much felt trapped in a, in a prison um, and wanted wanted to change everything. So I I completely changed my life from this, you know, very very established infrastructure around me and career path and lots of investments from previous years, and completely changed it and went in a completely different direction to to do something I wanted to do and be happier basically. And and the book is is about that story. I, I tell my story in the books because it resonates with a lot of people. And then going through the stages that I went through to figure out how to change and what to do going forward. And uh, so was it, how fixed were your plans when you kind of said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore? Had you, had you got a plan of what you were going to do next instead? No, it's as with all of these things, and it's, it's something I talk to a lot of people about, it's all step by step. So I think lots of people think, like, if, if you're unhappy with something, you need, you, in fact, lots of people say this to me, I don't know what I'd like to do next. I hear very sort of, when you get to speak to a lot of people, you hear the same things coming back at you all the time. And I hear the same few reasons for people not making changes all the time. So one of them is people don't have time, people can't afford to. And, and one of the big ones is they don't know what they would do otherwise. So they just stay trapped in something they don't really like anyway because they don't think there's any other options. And for me, it's a case of the first stage is identify that you don't like what you're doing now. And then think, okay, well, if I don't like this, how do I figure out what I would like to do and there's ways to do life rather than just say well I don't know you can actually sit down and, and figure it out what's that, what what did you end up landing on as your kind of uh, main main focus of your new life well even that's interesting because again the step-by-step -step thing I, I don't I don't feel like there's ever a point where you go well this this is it now because when I first transitioned I built an online gaming business because I, I reverse engineered what I thought I'd like to do in a business and created this online gaming platform 
which I enjoyed for a while, but after a while I didn't enjoy that either. And it was a learning, it was more of a learning experience. And then through the other side of that, I picked up, I was analyzing all the way through the bits I liked and disliked of each part. So where I currently am is basically helping other people to transform their lives and transform their businesses to make them more happy and fulfilled. So effectively sort of turn away from what we've all been taught growing up effectively, which is make as much money as you can and that's success in inverted commas and that will make you happy because in my experience and the experience of lots of other people I know that's just not true so I help people sort of change their careers change their businesses to do things with their lives that make them happy and fulfilled and at the moment I really enjoy that and I love it but even now that I can feel that sort of evolving because even within that sort of context there are bits of it I enjoy more than others and and I, little things as an example I've realized I really, really quite enjoy public speaking. So I'm going to start doing more public speaking this year and trying to get a public speaking engagement. And that will lead me down a different path. But the, the greatest part of it, I think, is a different mindset. So a, an open mindset to the fact that you don't need to just pick something and stick to it, which I think, might, in my experience, again, what we've all sort of been taught growing up is, and I've got a young niece and nephew at the moment who are going through this, 14 and 12 years old, and lots of grown-ups and teachers are saying to them, Right, you need to decide what you're going to spend your life doing. And I keep saying to them, you don't. You've, no. got, you've got a long life ahead of you. You could do loads of different things. We're all going to be working to where 80 and beyond probably our generation. So, you know, is it doing doing one job for all of that time is probably going to be A, impractical and B, quite boring. And, you know, yeah. so there's so much change in kind of society and, and things that who, know, who knows what jobs will be around in 10, 15, 20 years time. Um, precisely that, yeah, precisely when you heard the news about Meghan and Harry's big announcement that they, you know, they were going to step back from their roles as senior royals and carve out at this kind of new, this new place in the royal family, when that that sort of very first, quite you know, quite shocking announcement for a lot of people came out. How you know, how aware were you of it, and what did what was your kind of initial reaction? Well, it's really interesting actually because. I'm, I wouldn't class myself as a royal. I don't actually, one of, one of the big changes I've made in my life is I don't watch much news because I've realized how much of a negative impact it has on your mental health, just generally, because it's, it's generally negative news uh, for, for various reasons. But this is one of those news stories that I think you'd have to live under a rock to miss, wouldn't you? So when I first heard it, and, and I should say, actually, whilst I'm not a royal, I'm not anti-royal either. I'm I'm not one of those people who's, and I had this conversation with quite a lot of people who think we shouldn't have a royal family and it should be abolished and it's awful. I don't, I don't think that at all. But So when I first heard the news, I suppose my initial reaction was, was shock and surprise just because it never really happened. But, but once I reflected on it afterwards, and it was interesting that you contacted me about this because I started thinking about it in the context of my book. When I reflected, I thought, well, why shouldn't they? If, if it is effectively a job, which I, I see a lot of people sort of directing criticism at them to highlight the negative parts of, of their roles. And people say, well, that's your job. You, you just have to put up with the, the negative part of the job. And I couldn't disagree more with that. I, I've heard that through my whole life. And there's part in my book where I talk about people saying that to me. That's, you know, people say about all of our jobs. Well, if you don't enjoy it, that's just the way it is. That's, that's why it's called work and not fun. <laughs> so, I, but I, so my attitude is, well, it can be both. So if they've decided that they don't want to do this job in inverted commas anymore, why shouldn't they change? And I think it's actually been really interesting to watch the fallout of that and, and watching how different people view it 
in different ways because if you do view it if you sort of take a step back from it all and say well effectively it is a job that they're trying to leave and it's a very privileged job and it's a it's a, it's maybe even a unique job so it's very difficult to compare with other things but ultimately it, it is a job that they want to leave and they want to do something else with their lives you can look at it in a completely different in a different different way which is which is more interesting because i think one of the things about it was um they sort of had this slightly vague list and idea you know sort of a vague idea of how they wanted things to be which in in the way that the the deal has kind of been worked out subsequently with the royal family probably is further away from how they wanted it to be than they may be expected but a sacrifice they were prepared to make essentially to have that freedom to be able to go off and do do different things i mean it it sounds like it, from your point of view actually throwing all the pieces in the air and saying i'm off without a plan isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world one of the things i've learned hugely over the past few years is there's there's generally no right or wrong answer and there's and it's not black and white so in some ways i've had experiences where i've done the same thing you know just make a decision and go for it and then figure out as you go along and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't and in other ways you far you're much better off making a plan and trying to stick to a plan because at least you've thought things through properly but the, but the reality is when you make a big change like this whether you plan it or whether you just throw everything up in the air and figure out as you go along you're still going to face problems and there's going to be a backlash depending on where you are in your life and with with this situation obviously there's a huge backlash because they've got the public to deal with they've got this unique situation to deal with but i would i on the balance my old sort of lawyer hat on balance of the probable probabilities I would, I would say, if anyone's thinking about doing something like this, you're better off planning than not planning. If you, if you have a choice. Okay, interesting. And how do you, um, how did you find it when you were not only leaving work? Like, how much did your job feel like part of your identity? Because I think, I mean, you know, I'm, my background is, I've been working at the Mirror since you know 2004. It's kind of basically in my DNA. I care very deeply about it. I'm very proud to work here, and my, I, you know, I enjoy my. I enjoy my job I'm very lucky and it is it is part of my identity it is part of who I am and if that changed by my choice or other people's choices I feel like that would be you know it would be a big part of my life changing yeah absolutely and and it was very very similar for me I not only for my life but for the lives of everybody around me including my family I you know it was very difficult for my parents in particular because they had this this entire life of me saying I want to be a lawyer them being very proud of that I was the first person in my family to go to university I got a law degree which is very prestigious I became a lawyer and I was sort of held aloft as a beacon so like the golden child in the family of this is what you should you should aspire to be and they were very my family were very proud of that and my whole persona my whole life was built around this character basically is what I've, I've come to learn over the years is that we build characters around what we think we were meant to be so when you change when you change if you if you've got that type of job and that type of career when you change it's not actually just a case of changing your job and it's that simple because there's a lot of psychology and emotion that is linked to it both inside yourself and outside you, your friend, friendship groups, your families, they're all affected by it. And it, and these are the things that actually are more difficult to deal with. I've, I've often found that 
for me, just changing a job, it's not that big a deal. I, I'm, I'm okay with it because we, I get to go through the process in my own mind first. But then when you go to tell somebody else, it's like, it's not, it's, it's actually not dissimilar to if you leave a long-term relationship. When, by the time you decide to leave the relationship, you've been through the process in your own mind as, as to why you've experienced it every day, you know why you're unhappy. When you go to tell your family about it or your friends, they haven't been through that at all. They, they tend to just see the best bits. So when they talk about, so your job or my job being a lawyer or being a royal, what we tend to look at is the highlights. It's like it's like Facebook life. We all look at other people. So we think, well, why would anyone want to leave that? I, I mean, I, I actually did separate from my, my wife during the sort of past few years. And it was a similar thing because people look at me as a lawyer and think, well, from the outside, it looks fantastic. You've got, you obviously earn good money. You drive a nice car. You've got a lovely home. You've got, I mean, when I ran my own offices, I had a lovely city center office. So to the outside world, it looks fantastic. And that's when they view it and they judge what you're doing. It makes no sense because they haven't been on the inside. They haven't seen the, the downsides and the negative aspects of, of that part. So it's, yeah, it's all, it's all massively entwined into it into more than just the job I'd say did you ever have a moment when you were like oh my goodness what have I done this is you know I should go back in time and not and kind of stick with stick with how things were or try and change within it rather than jump outside it and do something totally different uh, oh yeah all the time and, and still to this day there are, there are moments when you I look back at my old life and think was it that bad do the, because ultimately it's, it's like something I've learned on the journey is there's good and bad in everything no matter what we do I, I went and spent some time in Bali last year and it was you know, on the, again on the face of it it's like paradise but I came back and I was chatting to my dad about it and on sort of the type of conversations you have with your dad and I was saying to him but what, what they don't show you on pictures of Bali with, in paradise is the infrastructure's not great so you know your, your bins don't get collected every week like they do in England and the Wi-Fi doesn't work as well as it does in England and these things we don't talk about when we live in talking about dream lives but actually on a day-to-day basis they're really important or they can be really important so the i think it's important for everybody for everybody and anybody listening to to bear that in mind when you when you're looking at anybody else's lives and when you're sort of evaluating your own and your own jobs and things is to appreciate that there's always good and bad so that even if you do make a change there will be good and bad aspects of whatever you change to and there will be parts of your old life that, that you miss like so for example i I often work by myself now. So I work with clients, but I don't have a team around me. I don't go into an office every day. And I miss that element of, of a job. I miss going into an office and I miss seeing people. And there are ways you can sort of work around that and work in co-working spaces and things. But it's not quite the same as being part of somebody else's team. It's not as much fun. You don't have that camaraderie. But that's just the sacrifice I'm willing to make. Because on the balance, I think, well, my life is better now because I don't. I haven't got a boss I have to answer to, and I don't have the office politics I have to deal with. But that doesn't mean I can't also miss having, you know, the, the other people around to have a laugh and a joke with every day. Thinking about um, Meghan and Harry, have you got any tips for them on how they could make their new life a success? What do you think are the things that they should probably be trying to hold tight to and remember and plan for? Well, the, the biggest thing is probably touching on what we've just been talking about. The, the interesting thing about any of this is there's sort of a well-established change curve, which, which you've probably heard of in the past, and we've probably all come across it in time, which whether you choose to make a change in your life or it's forced upon you, we all end up going through this sort of same emotional curve, which is 
in sort of rough terms, shock, denial, anger, blame, depression, confusion, doubt, acceptance, pro- problem solving, moving on. And they'll be going through this same curve. And this is something else I, I always, when I do talk about football, I think when we talk about people like royals, royals, footballers, film stars, pop stars, it's really easy to forget that they're just humans. So these are these are just at the end of the day, we're all just human beings, and we all go through the same emotional journeys, and we have the same problems, and have the same difficulties. So all the stuff we've just been talking about, they'll be going through the same thing. There will be times when they're sitting there looking at each other, saying, "Have we made the right decision? Should we have done this? Is this better?" And so one of the biggest tips I'd give them is expect that to happen. You know, when you, by being aware of the fact that you're going through this sort of change curve, it's it's easier to navigate because when you're in the depression, sort of confusion, doubt phase of it, for example, when you can take a step back and say, oh, well, this is meant to happen. You know, we, we this is actually perfectly natural. Um, we don't need to worry about it. It makes it easier to come through. Whereas when you don't expect it to happen, if you expect to move into a new life, a new career, whichever whatever angle is, and it for, for it all to be rosy, that's when you have real problems. So the the biggest tip I could give them is expect the road bumps along the way. I, I'm sure I'm sure they expected sort of the the shock and the anger to begin with. So I think the the most difficult part is possibly going to be when when the whole world has stopped talking about it and they're not in the limelight anymore because they'll have been expecting the, the shock denial anger phase. But then while, when they're by themselves and they're just sort of looking at each other and thinking, is this the right decision? That's going to be the most difficult part, I think. Especially, and again, I, I always talk about taking a step back and, and thinking about it and sort of taking a deep breath and reflecting on things because I think that's important. It's not not so much for Megan. She's she's already been in this, this other world that she's going to go back to. But Harry has never experienced a world outside of the bubble he's lived in his entire life. And, and whilst you, you know, they're not directly comparable, and I always say this about footballers as well, from a very young age and your whole life to be built around that identity and then to change it, which is similar to what he's going to go through now. He's going to be completely different. His life is going to be completely different to what it was before. And I know there's lots of debate about sort of security and what will it look like and things like that. But effectively, he's he's going to make a huge change in his life. And so again, one of the biggest tips I'd, I'd give to him personally is make sure you've got plenty of support around you because things like therapists, I, I found personally to be really helpful in phases like this because you've got an independent expert to sit down and talk to about the, the things you're facing as you go through these changes and, and you go through this sort of emotional and psychological process. And in terms of if we've got listeners thinking, oh, actually, I don't actually really enjoy my job and I do want to throw the pieces up in the air and 2020 is going to be the year that I do it, where would you suggest that they start? Well, if they've, if they've already made the decision to change, hopefully that means that they're, they're past the point of sort of making excuses and rationalising why they, they need to stay where they are. That's, that's always the first part. Is that lots of people I come across are, are unhappy but they they're still stuck on the sort of excuses as to why they they can't change. If you, once you're over that part, which again is a process and, and fairly simple to, to overcome, if, if you if you go through the, the sort of right steps, the next bit is to is to carefully consider what you actually want to do, because I think that's something 
we tend not to do very well. An old coach I used to work with, actually, when I was running my law firm, again, using the, the analogy with relationships, he, he said to me, he, he sees that a lot with people who get divorced. We tend to we tend to leave relationships and leave jobs because we it's easy to identify the things we don't like, but it's really, really important to identify the things we actually want in our lives. And that can be difficult if we've never had them or we feel like we've never had them. So for me, it's a case of sitting down and really thinking about your life, thinking about, I always take people back to childhood. What did you enjoy doing when you were a child before, before anybody else's opinion started to sort of affect decisions you made and, and the way you live your life? What, what did you enjoy doing back then? Because there's a good chance that they're the things that just at a very sort of subconscious natural level you still like to do and see if you can build a a career and a life around the things you you like to do interesting so listeners if you are inspired to try this a we would love to hear how you get on um but but do please think about it very carefully first particularly if you've got a mortgage and such like to pay for um but if you want to explore the ideas a bit more then um paul's book he's actually you've got the first couple of chapters on your website that people can have a look at haven't you yeah so you can download the first couple of chapters for free um to see whether it's it's something you might like and it might might help you so the website is um www.changeyourcareer.org have a read no strings attached and if, if you like it you can you can buy the rest of the book on, on amazon we'll tweet the link out as well out of app pod safe but i must just ask you as well um before i let you go about the blue side of the city of liverpool so the evertonian side um because prince mm. william was up there last week um making a visit to everton to see the work that they were doing around mental health and their community issues and um you know i know you're a reds fan but i'm sure because you're doing quite so well that you might be able to bring yourself to talk a little bit about (laughs) about the blues and i would be interested as well just to hear how you as a bloke and as a football fan um what you think about kind of that mental health approach from the royals via football and kind of from the football clubs themselves I think it, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, I think it's brilliant. Um, I think it's really, really important. I think connecting with people about very important topics in a way that they can relate to is is the best way of doing it. I, I see a lot of. I've I've been involved in the sort of sort of viewing the personal development industry for a long time now. Back when I was even when I was an employee, but then running my own businesses, and so I've I've sort of seen the the, the good and the bad of that industry. And what I see a lot of people, what I see a lot of the time is people don't connect with it very well because they, it feels alien to them. But when you when you bring the same messages to people in whatever form they already relate to, whatever that might be, then it connects a lot better. And it's interesting. Even I was chat- I was chatting to my mum about this the other day because she was criticising people who watch who watch Love Island. And it was interesting that you invited me then on a royal podcast. And I talk about football fans all the time. Because basically, we're all weird in our own ways. We all love our own weird things. So for the, the there'll be lots of football fans who don't understand people who love the royal family. But I've, as I travel the world, I meet millions of people who, well, not millions, but I see lots of people who don't understand why anybody would like football. And it, it's the same for for everything. So for me, if you can if you can connect with people on the thing that they already love and take the message to them in that way. It's easier to it's easier to talk to about it, and you, and you see through the Everton initiative and all the football clubs. Liverpool do do a very similar thing. Talking to children through the medium of football about mental health, it really connects with them. And even if my my big thing with with my book and the things I do, and, and everybody else in this sort of arena, 
even if you can help one person by doing what you do, then it was worthwhile. And and what Prince William has done and what Everton are doing and all the other clubs will help thousands of people, I'm, I'm sure. So, yeah, I, I, it can only be a good thing. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I have been, I've really enjoyed kind of exploring those ideas and I hope our, our listeners have enjoyed uh, listening to them as well. It's kind of interesting, you know, kind of thinking about the office and versus the royal family and the similarities and the differences and, and you know, remembering that we are all people as well, I think is a, a very, a very key thing. And I think the main thing we probably have to say to you is enjoy the rest of the season and fingers crossed for <laughs> Liverpool. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. Take care. Hello and welcome back to the show, Eva Simpson, columnist in the Daily Mirror and long-time uh, showbiz columnist as well, back in the day. Yes, back in the day. Back. Long day. <laughs> long ago days. Lots of yes. lots of late nights on the ra- on the razzle dazzle. Um, yes. So last time, last time we were talking, we were talking specifically about kind of the the way Meghan had been treated, potentially looking at race and racism and that kind of thing. And so, it, you know, we were very much focusing on the fact that maybe things weren't all okay for a for a variety of reasons for Meghan. Yeah. And then obviously the news emerged in January that Meghan and Harry were planning to step back from their senior roles in the royal family, carve out this sort of progressive new role as they initially um, initially put it out there. So how did, you, how did you feel when that news broke? Well, I think like anyone, when I heard the news that they were, they'd released this statement saying that they were stepping back from the royal family, it was a big, it was bombshell news. I think it's one of those news alerts that you get through and you actually makes you kind of gasp for a second because you think, wow, is this really happening? But I suppose, you know, you can look back and think, actually, it has been, it had been building for quite a while, and there was a clue in them saying that they were going to take six weeks off. And obviously, in that six weeks off, they had plenty of time to reflect about the future. It was over Christmas, and they clearly thought, you know, enough is enough. We want something different. Life is too short just to be sort of in this gilded cage. We want to do something completely different. So... Yeah, but I, yeah, I'm def- definitely shocked by the news because it's unprecedented. I don't know if something like this has happened not in our lifetime anyway. So it was definitely a big, big shock. Yeah. And so obviously the, the kind of the details of what exactly they are going to be doing in the future are slightly unclear. The, the royal family have obviously thrashed out the the initial kind of arrangements of how it will work on a and you know there's lots still to be to be worked out after that kind of initial mm. announcement, which which we talked about a few episodes ago, um, Russell and I. Um, but what? What kind of are their options? Because they, you know, they they emphasise that wanting to be financially independent. Yeah. Um, how do how do, how do celebrities make their money? I mean, Harry and Meghan, they're not, you know, they've got a reasonable amount of savings in the bank, and if it was you or me, we could probably live on them quite happily for the rest of our lives. But if you want to, you know, if you want to live like royalty or showbiz royalty, that takes a certain that takes a certain amount of cash. And then also, if you want to continue to contribute rather than kind of live like a hermit then you, that that also takes money to to work on the things that you care about i guess so what 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 do you think their options are for for funding their their future lives well i mean let's make no bones about it they are not going to even if they never worked another day in their lives and never lifted a finger 
Prince Harry's father is still Prince Charles. His grandmother is still the Queen. So they're not going to be living, you know, they're not going to be homeless. They're not going to be destitute. They're going to be doing fine, better than most people. And I think their lives will still continue. You know, there's enough people who want to give them opportunities. They, I believe that they're staying for free in Canada at um, an associate's place. So they're not going to be struggling for money. You know, we know that both princes were left quite a large amount of money when their mother, Princess Diana, passed away. So I th it's not about money. And I think often we get too hung up about how they're going to make money, how they're going to live, what are they... I think it's not about the money. It's more, I think, interesting to think about what will they do with their time. And I don't necessarily think they're making money just so they, you know, they've lived in the biggest palaces on the biggest stage in the world. I don't think they're trying to make money to live in another giant palace. They're trying to make money, I guess, for their causes and the things that they believe in, basically. So are there particular celebrities or public figures who you think could um, be good sort of role models or inspirations, I guess, for that life that they're trying to build? I suppose the, the closest inspiration, I think, in terms of the life they want to build, is someone is are people like the Obamas. I think they would probably do well to follow in their footsteps. You know, they've, they've got very similar sort of sensibilities and backgrounds in the sense that they're both, you know, couples in the public eye. Everything they do is very much scrutinised. But then, if you look at what the Obamas have done, they've very much gone down this philanthropy road. And I think um, this is something that I could see it would be a good inspiration for them to go down that road as well. And, that, you know, the Obamas have got to deal with Netflix. And I, I've heard talk of Harry and Meghan doing, potentially doing stuff with Netflix as well. So these are all opportunities. I think we can be a bit, I guess, sneery in this. You know, we just are uncomfortable with the idea of money or people making money, especially given the background that they've come from. But I don't think we can have it both ways. We can't say on the one hand we don't want to pay for them and then expect them to just sort of live under a rock for the rest of their lives. So I think if there are opportunities, I don't have a problem with them going and seizing those opportunities and seeing what's out there, really. And, you know, it, it's done. And I think also I would say that in terms of the comparisons with celebrity, you know, in a, most of the world look at the royal family as celebrities. I mean, we obviously put them on a different status being in Britain. But most, if you go to America, where, where you know, the royals are all over these celebrity magazines, celebrity columns, they are considered celebrities, really. So I don't think there's much difference from what, you know, celebrities are, are already doing. But So I guess in, in Britain, there is that still that sort of sensibility of difference between celebrity and royalty. And maybe it comes down to, I don't know, I've been thinking about this recently, like is celebrity about ultimately a bit more selfish in some ways that you're trying to build your brand and project yourself um and you know it's about your own success whereas in you know royalty ideally is probably about duty and the country um more than more than the individual and I th well certainly I th probably the, the queen would hope that might be what it what it was yeah, i think we like to i think we definitely like to think that there's that distinct and there is that distinction but i guess the point i'm making is that outside of britain they're not in britain anymore they're, they're choosing to live in north america and they've gone somewhere where they will be considered celebrities and so it would be quite normal for them to go and give talks to goldman sachs and jp morgan or 
indulge in things that may not be seemly over here, but this is clearly the path that they've, they've chosen to go down. So has Britain basically just got to get over it and deal with it that actually they are they are doing things they are doing things differently and that's okay and the world has changed. Well I think that we don't really have much of a choice to get over it because obviously they've picked up their ball and they said they're not playing anymore and they're going to play somewhere else and so I think that the most positive thing to do is to kind of look at it as a as a next phase this is the future, look at it going forward and see what positives they can bring. You know, they've said that they're willing to support the Queen and support the royal family, although I believe that that offer was somewhat rejected. But um, I think, or maybe we just get over our obsession with <laughs> Harry and Meghan and just let them live their lives, you know? And in terms of kind of your, I don't know, advice for them or your hopes for what, what you would like to see them do to you know because they like they do have this enormous platform um Mm -hmm. so you know there is that kind of i think and that probably is one of the um sort of tensions and dilemmas they've had essentially because you know when they were embarking on their royal life talking about trying to use that platform for good and talking about all of the things that they wanted to to do and achieve and kind of making that decision to leave at least the royal element of that behind and and that platform for the, their own platform which they're going to have to build that must have been a, a, a you know one of the kind of real real talking points for them you know can we can we still have that influence and bring that change mm. outside this organization which gives us a vehicle to do it essentially so what are you what's your kind of advice to them or your hopes for what you might see them do next well i, I just hope that they go on to lead happy, fulfilled lives. That may seem a bit sort of wishy-washy, a bit airy-fairy, but you know, ultimately they're a young couple, they have a young baby, and they obviously felt that being in the public eye like that and serving and all the duties that came with it was just taking its toll. Um, as you say, we spoke about, we've spoken about what I felt were the differences in the way that Megan was treated, you know, things that she did she was criticized and vilified for whereas the duchess of cambridge does exactly the same thing and she sort of stood on a pedestal so i think it took a long for them and a lot for them to get to this point so my hope for them is that they just live happy lives with their family and that they are able to give back and that they use their platform for goods for charitable causes for philanthropic work that's what i would like to see from them yeah, because I think I think um, as much as kind of the, the quieter, simpler life, if they want they want to do that, they are they are still active on their social channels. They are still going to be looking to a degree for that um, amplification, kind of in you know either on social media and through or through brands or or media channels. They're not uh, they are still going to have to in, engage, I guess. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. They still they still will have to engage. So it's not like they're sort of gone. They're not going to live a reclusive lifestyle, and we'll never see them again. And it's clear that they will. You know, they have huge platforms. They have huge followings on social media, and they. I guess they want to be in charge of that and using those channels for all the philanthropic work. But I haven't seen. You know, most of the, the stuff they put on social media tends to be about their charities and their work that they do. I can't see 
them suddenly doing adverts for milk or for cars or for any other sort of commercial elements unless it's to raise money for their for their charitable causes so i think i think it would be a mistake if they suddenly um sorry Sorry, Anne. That's all right. Don't worry. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in Peter Jones in the stairwell. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay, cool. All right. I'll just, um, if you just oh, sorry about that. restart. I can't remember what, what you're saying. Are you all right to just um, pick up the thread again? Yeah, remind me what the question was, sorry. Um, oh, God, I can't remember what we were talking about just before. It was we were, oh, we were about, um, you were talking about, like, so I think, the, so the last thing I definitely remember you saying, like, you know, I can't see them starting to, like, advertise milk or cars or that kind of thing unless it's raising money for their... Um, oh, okay. their organizations okay. type thing so yeah. um and yeah so kind of just I guess just finishing that thought because we're kind of wrapping up now anyway yeah no problem so um so yeah it would be great to see them using their platforms and continue to use their platforms for causes that they're particularly passionate about I think it would be disappointing if they use them to suddenly start advertising for milk brands or for cars or for whatever else. And I think that would, wouldn't really sit well if, if they were sort of using their channels for that, those causes, you know, to line their pockets. I think that would leave a bit of a bad taste. But I really think that, you know, that there's a bright, positive future out there, and I think they should be given a chance to to um, try and explore that and to try and make that happen. And I guess time will tell, really, how it all how it will all pan out for them. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, we'll be able to follow follow it a little bit at least along the way. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. We'll hopefully hopefully see you back in the studio before too long um so uh, thanks for thanks for joining us on the phone though but we'll look look forward to hanging out with you again um very soon thanks for having me thanks eva so that's it for this week um thank you to paul thank you to eva thank you to you all for listening um because that's obviously the most important part and uh we will be back again next week until next time. Pod save the queen!